0: Thank you so much, Lisa. Now, I've taken a bit of a bet on what sort of a congregation I think you are, and I suspect that you might be a pranking congregation, right? So perhaps you'd like to send someone near you. What's the best prank you've ever pulled on somebody else? Isn't it fascinating? Not one of you sat there and went, what's a prank? I only ever do goodness to my (laughs) neighbours. Not one of you. But it's in a little bit of this spirit that I want to think about generosity today, because when we do a prank, we kind of feel a little bit like, this was good, this was a little bit sneaky, and I managed to do something, you know, that maybe got one over on my friend. But kind of generosity can easily be that same sort of fun in the opposite direction. We've had so much fun over the years at times when you leave money through somebody's door, and then you sneak away thinking they'll never know. And there's such wonderfulness in being able to show that generosity to people, even perhaps without them knowing. Now, uh, we've been thinking a little bit about habits that make us more like Jesus. And I started us off week one thinking about scaffolding. Now, if I phoned up a scaffolding company tomorrow and said, Send me some scaffolding, you know what they'd ask me first, wouldn't they? They'd say, Well, what are you trying to build? (laughs) Because that's the important thing. What are you trying to build? And each of these habits, helps us to think what's that what's that bigger picture that we're, we're about and for each of us my hope is that the scaffolding helps us to know Jesus better to encounter him more and to do good in the lives of other people so that's what we hope the kind of building we're trying to see built in our lives is and each of the habits is helping us on the way so here are some of the ones we looked at we started off by thinking about prayer And uh, my wife kicked that off for us a little while ago with different rhythms of prayer. How do you bring prayer into your daily life? Both small times and big times of prayer, how to hear God in the midst of it. Next, I helped us to think about accountability. What would it mean to invite people in and say, will you help me? I'm trying to get rid of this sin in my life or I'm trying to put this really good practice in my life. Will you ask me regularly, how am I doing with it? Help me to be accountable uh, for those things that I'm trying to see happen. Next, uh, David Mumby helped us to think about scripture and an awareness of its context. He challenged us to allow God's word to be the thing that grounds us, the truth that cuts through all other messages. And then last week, Sarah helped us to think about solitude, having time alone time away from people, time where the volumes turn down on everything else and we get to just hear God in those still moments. Now the challenge is when you look at this list you might be thinking well one a week that's quite a lot isn't it and you can feel a bit overwhelmed and think have I had enough time to embed any of this in my life and that's where my hope is that life groups are looking at these and being helpful That Some of you I know are looking at them individually and have asked me to send you some material, which I can do to help us with that. This is, of course, not just a job for this term, but this forming needs to happen on an ongoing basis. So I hope you're finding it helpful. Today, then, we are thinking about generosity and what is it and what's it about? So just a sort of rough definition to help us out generosity is giving when we don't have to so it could be your time your energy your uh, effort could be all sorts of things but it's when we don't have to so for example I'm not generous when I pay my gas bill I never think I'll send you an extra tenner (laughs) I don't think in that way right but generosity is that kind of extra that we do it's a choice i remember hearing about a church i think it was in africa where they said to everyone get out your wallet pass it to your neighbor and we're going to send the collection plate round and you're going to give from your neighbor's wallet now at worst i think that would be stealing (laughs) and at best probably manipulation we give as choice we also give having to think about what do we actually give to I'm probably not the only person who feels guilty every time I walk past someone homeless or when a charity's letter comes through the door. But all of us have got a limited amount of time, effort, money, etc. And so all of us need to have that mindset of what am I going to give to time, energy, effort, etc. And what am I not going to give to? And it's perfectly fine to do that. And I think there's a bit of a freedom in it. When you've decided what to give to, that means when you get asked for something else, you can then think, well, am I called to give to that or not? And that's completely fine. I imagine that you have experienced generosity in your life from other people. Quite regularly, probably. Things that God has done for you and things that he's done for you through other people. But there's a few different things that I wanted to pick out, particularly from today. First of all, pick a mix. I'm one of those people who hates it when you turn up to the pick and mix and it's by weight. I always think that's such a cheat. But when you turn up and it's by size of cup, you know that you're on a winner. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes watch the other people and sometimes I think you're such a novice at this. Like everyone knows, well, they should know, how do you fill the cup? Like, you want to put some heavy stuff in there, you give it a shake and get it to come down, you probably pack it at least a couple of times. And when they've got like a domed lid, you can get more in, but you just shove it through the top, and that sort of works. And it's almost a paraphrase of Luke 6, when we read about how God pours out his blessings on us and it overflows. And it uses the kind of phrase of, it would be like scooping up your jumper and saying, well, the cup's full, but I'm still going to keep going. And that's the way that God is generous to us. He doesn't hold anything back. I've been mulling and thinking about Jesus' generosity this week. And thinking of all that Jesus brought, his love, his forgiveness, he was going to give his life. He was going to bring all of that. And I was thinking, imagine if I was walking along with a present for somebody, but they kept punching me in the ribs. And every now and then they'd give me a slap or they'd spit on me. And by the end of it, I'd think, I don't want to give you this present. I don't feel like I want to do that. I'd much rather turn around and take it home again. But Jesus has all that suffering he goes through in his life, but still is generous with us. And there's something amazing about that that God's goodness is overwhelming and because he is generous first we know that we too could be generous. We have that kind of overflow of when we've received from him we can then give out to other people. So that's the first thing we might learn from the Bible that God is generous and generosity begins with him. The second thing I think that will help us is this little verse, no servant can have two masters or either he will hate one and love the other, or else he'll hold on to one and despise the other. And this is Jesus talking about money and God. It's not possible to love both, because they each pull us in different directions. This week I've been whinging at Rachel quite a lot. And I remember saying a few things midweek that were less than encouraging. And then said, but that was a bit fleshy of me, wasn't it? That's like my fleshy side coming out. That's the bit that isn't sorted out by Jesus yet, which is coming out. And it's okay to name that stuff and say, I'm not completely finished. I haven't been, you know, I'm still a work in progress. And I think when it comes to this issue of God and money, often we need to remind ourselves, what's the bit of us that isn't yet sorted out by God that wants to have its own way ...in this tussle between being generous and not being generous. I'm tempted to be generous to myself. Perhaps you feel the same. To build bigger barns. But when I'm generous, it reminds me that I'm not an orphan. That God loves me and provides for me. And I don't need bigger and bigger barns so that the future will be okay. Okay actually that's a lie that I can believe and it means that I'm less generous. It's one of the things that I want to steer away from to remember that generosity helps me remember money is not my king but God is and when I give it away it has less of a pull on my heart. From our two passages today we looked at Chronicles And we looked at Philippians. And a lot of it in there was to do with partnering. In Chronicles, David had just gathered all the things that he needed for his son Solomon to build the very first temple. And you might remember a couple of weeks ago when I talked about Moses who met God in a tent. Then the people settled in their own land and they built a building, the temple. And so David personally gives in abundance He gives a lot so that this temple could be built by his son. But then he turns to the people and he doesn't say, each of you give this much. He says, give a free will offering. In other words, give generously. Give not because you have to, but because you want to. And there's something wonderful in that. They do so joyfully. And the whole feel of the passage is the people saying to God, wow, we get to be a part of this. We are some of the people who got to give some of the stuff that built the temple of our God, his place. Paul in Philippians expresses very similar. Although the money that the church in Philippi sent him went to feed and clothe him, he called an offering to God, a sacrifice to God. Although it was a gift to Paul, it was actually a gift to God because it helped Paul do what God had called him to do. It might make you think when Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of this, you did for me. And the Philippians, like the folks in Chronicles, give gladly out of kindness and in joy. The thing that I really love about this is that it wasn't even at their church Last night, John Archer came and did something at our church. It was an amazing comedy night. It was absolutely brilliant. But imagine, if you will, that six months down the line, John wrote to me and said, I want to run a comedy club at another church. Will you pay the bill? And I would probably go, can't they pay the bill? (laughs) Like, it's for them. Isn't that how this works? But in Philippians, we read that Paul has had his bills paid by a different church. That the church in Philippi knew where he was going. He was going to correct some false teaching in other churches and he didn't want to rock up and say, do you know what guys, you're going wrong on some of this and will you pay my bills? (laughs) So instead they do him a massive favour and they pay his bills so he can go to this next church and say without any strings attached, you're making a mess of it, you need to come back to the gospel again. We do quite similar with our mission partners, don't we? We give money to them all around the world so that we can provide for what they're called to do where they are and it's that sort of partnering each of us has limited time and effort but sometimes we can partner with somebody else and go oh I get to be part of that thing that I don't have time for and I'm not physically there but money helps me to be part of partnering with it and praying for it One of the really beautiful things about the chapter in Chronicles is that they remembered whose glory it was for. David prays, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. All things come from you and it's from your own that we give you. He remembered, they remembered that all they had came from God. A friend of mine's church needed new chairs. I don't know if you've ever gone through this thing at all, Saints. Yeah, a few of you have gone through this thing, yeah? And so they looked at these chairs and they thought we could get cheap ones or nice ones. So we thought, well, let's get nice ones. Then they thought, why would anyone give for these chairs? I know what we'll do. We'll put plaques on the back. Yeah? And so that anyone who buys a chair can put a plaque on the back and you can choose what to get written on the back. And many of them wrote their own names on the back. (laughs) Can I tell you, we will never do that. (laughs) Because one of the beautiful things about giving is about saying, it doesn't need my name on it. Because ultimately, the money came from God. And it's for a purpose that's God's purpose. And I don't need my name on it. Because my name on it means that I'm pushed back to thinking, well, maybe it's all about me. Maybe it's all about my generosity. Another story to help us perhaps a bit with this, I remember going to a friend's house and it was near Christmas and their kids were below pocket money age, you know, when they want to be generous but they haven't got any stuff and so they sent the kids off around the house with wrapping paper and sellotape and the kids basically wrapped up a whole bunch of their own stuff to give back to them. So my friend, for example, Christmas Day, he opens his presents, wow, it's my wallet. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had that wallet in at least three days since my child wrapped it up. And it's a bit that way with God. We give to him only what he's given to us in the first place. And it's really helpful for us to be reminded of that. Because it pushes back against that lie, I did it all myself. I've been reading uh, this. Many of you, any of you read that? If you'd like to borrow it, you're very, very welcome. John Mark Comer, um, live no lies. And it's absolutely brilliant. But the point that he makes throughout all of it is a lot of the things that go wrong with our lives and our behaviours and our mindsets is because we've believed a lie. And because of the lie, that then leads us to other things. So I'll give you an example. At the very start of the Bible, Adam and Eve did not believe that God wanted the best for them. So they basically made it up and went, oh, let's do some other stuff because we think we've got a better plan than God does. And you know that lie happens all the time around the world? People saying, I don't think God's plan's the best. I've got a better one. That's at the root of so many things. But in generosity terms, another lie is that God will not provide, that he is not faithful, that he is not good. And ultimately, it's all on me. Now, of course, the extreme opposite would be I'm never going to work and I'll just sit in an armchair and wait for the Lord to provide. And we know that that's not how he works. So there's a balance. But we certainly want to live knowing that God is good, that he looks out for us and that we can be generous to others. Generosity still makes people sit up and wonder. Some of you have told me stories about when you've paid for the person shopping in front of you and they're completely gobsmacked. Or when you're behind someone at the counter in the petrol station and they realize they haven't got their card and you step in and do it. Or when you've done lots of other things. Generosity still makes people question who are these people? Who is their God? Jesus was incredibly generous particularly with his time and for most of us time is the thing that we feel most pressured about and Jesus was like that too but he gave his time it became an amazing habit for him to spot the people who needed it even the people who were not written in his diary if he would have had one. So I wonder, what would you want to be involved with this week? What would generosity look like for you this week? Is there a person now that as you think about it comes to mind and you think, oh, they need